It's warm outside today. Yeah, it's, the weather is strange. The no. weather, guys. <laughs> here we here we are. We're talking about the weather. That's where we're at. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I told Kara that we should try to come up with something chit chatty to talk about, and then we, so I brought up the weather. We looked at each other like, why would we? We never plan what we're going to say. Why no, would we start now? That's so weird. We're so impulsive. <laughs> um, this is the Witch's Magic Murder and Mystery Podcast. Yes, and I am Kara, and I am Megan. Yeah. Guys, we're almost 100 episodes in. I know. We're so close. I don't... I think maybe this is 96, 97. What are we going to do to celebrate? I have no idea. I like it. <laughs> it's going to be right around Thanksgiving. Oh, we're going to do a double episode. <gasps> we are. You all are welcome. Yeah, we're doing a double episode for Thanksgiving and our 100th to yes. celebrate all at the same time. If you haven't caught on... We didn't do that for Halloween because we did a month Yeah, we didn't do the double episode. Last year, we were all up in the double episode yeah, holiday For features. every holiday. Yeah. I'm excited too because we found some good oh my gosh, like, yes. Thanksgiving ones, which is so weird. Yeah, that's Although, a time to you be know, thankful, guys. That's when your family gets together. Oh, if you don't like your family, <laughs> it could lead to problems. Yeah, really good. Yeah, so today is Friday. We have a mysterious murder. Ooh. <laughs> Do we have any items of business to discuss? Busyness items. We've got some cool stuff coming up, guys. Yeah, we're we have lots expanding of plans. our reach. If um, you haven't listened to yesterday's episode yet, please do so because we are participating in a fundraiser yeah. for a really important organization down in Miami. Yep. Just uh, a hop, skip, and a jump from Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically just very next this, door. Very much the same place. Yeah. A friend of mine reached out and had an idea for us to participate. And so yesterday's episode goes into all of that. And you'll find the link if you would like to donate to the organization. Yes. And the show notes on that episode and this episode, the donation window opens on Monday, next Monday. So we we'll only put have a, little, a week. We'll put a little reminder up then, too. But yeah, I'm really excited about yeah, it. Yeah, let's see what we can do. Okay. All right. Okay. So I'm not going to dive into this guy's like past. He was born and blah, blah, blah. We're just going to hop He just into was him. born. He was born and, and he's a know. man. Got it. <laughs> okay. So That's all I need to know. Yeah, March 22nd, 1977, a Charles Morgan, who was a 29-year-old escrow agent in Tucson, Arizona, went missing after he left his home. He was taking his kids to school, just missing. Oh. Just gone. Did the kids get to school? Yeah. Okay. And he just disappeared. And he was like abducted on his way to work. Oh, yeah. Abducted. Abducted, they say. Mm. So March 25th, three days later, his nickname was Chuck. He stumbled back into his home at two in the morning. So his wife, Ruth, said she woke up to a thump at the back door. She was quoted saying, I was in bed. The dog started barking. I got up, went to the door and opened it. And there was Chuck. He was missing a shoe, had one plastic handcuff around one ankle and a set around his hands. When he motioned to his throat and didn't say a word, I asked him, can you talk? Can you write? He shook his head yes, so I went and got a tablet and a pen. He wrote that his throat had been painted with a hallucinogenic drug, that the drug could drive him <laughs> insane or destroy his nervous system and kill him. Wait, I wanted, is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know enough about drugs. I don't. I need to know. I need to learn more. <laughs> Somebody tell us. Somebody tell us. She said, I wanted to call a doctor and the police, but he was adamant that that would be signing a death warrant for the entire family. This is the weirdest story. This is how it begins. Already, right? Yeah. yeah, this is just the beginning. Oh, you just wait. It gets weirder. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So over the next week, she just stayed by his side. She would feed him with like a medicine dropper. She would just nurse him back to health. So it was painted 
And if he opened his mouth, it, I don't know. It, or like, if he tried understand. to talk, like if he was talking, like if I don't know, I don't, I, I don't get it. Like I don't get it either. Drugs. Okay. He just wanted to be quiet for a week or two. <laughs> okay. When he started to get his voice back, he started to hint to her that he was a secret agent for the federal government. No. She said, he wrote, they took my treasury identification. And she said that was the first I had heard of it. Then he told me he had been working for them for about two or three years. And that was it. He didn't bring bring it up again. Left it at that. And it just... She let that go? Yeah. She's just like, okay. Yeah. And he claimed that he escaped from his captors near the Phoenix's Sky Harbor Airport. Okay. <laughs> so a little background. In the 70s, the mafia established Arizona as a narcotics pipeline and a haven for money laundering. So more than 500 racketeers set up shop there. And Arizona was super attractive to these racketeers because... <gasps> They had a law that allowed anyone to buy up land through numbered blind trust accounts, which meant they could just launder money and it couldn't be traced. No. Because it would just be random trusts. Yeah. That would be like you and I getting a trust and like opening shop. Right. All over the world. Yeah. Like doing whatever. So. Let's do that too. Let's. I like that idea. <laughs> Underground podcast. <laughs> like, okay. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were like mastermind criminals and we had a true crime oh podcast? Oh my God. <laughs> Look into us, guys. <laughs> you're gonna, you're not yeah, gonna find much. Don't. It'll be boring. You're gonna be so bored. So he had done real estate escrow work for at least one mafia family, and maybe helped with the purchase of gold and platinum. It was like a convenient way to launder money. That way, they were like, "Well, maybe he got into some bad things." But he's at this point still sticking to this. Like this is all while he's yeah, yeah. telling the story that he, he's an undercover agent, secret agent. Mm-hmm. And he was abducted and he's been painted with drugs in his throat. Yes. Okay. And he can't talk. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so like I said, his wife just kind of dropped it at that. She was just like, I don't know anything about his work. She said, he mentioned to me once that there was money laundering going on, but nothing that he himself was involved in. He told me the less the girls and you know, the better off you'll be. I'm just fascinated that she let it go. Yes. Okay. So after he was kidnapped, he was like, you know what? I'm not going to take any more chances. Hmm. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want anything to happen. So he started wearing a bulletproof vest and he made sure that he was the only one that could drive the kids to school. Like he made sure that the schools knew that he was the only person to ever pick the kids up. And I'm like, who else is going to pick these kids up? Well, that's what I can't figure out. I'm like, is he running some kind of scam or is he crazy? So, two months after he disappeared, they reported him missing again. Nine days after reporting him missing, the wife got a phone call. It was a woman, and the woman said, Chuck is all right, Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8, and then she hung up. Oh, goodness gracious. So, I pulled up the NIV version of this. I always read the King James, but (laughs) thanks, private school. (laughs) But it says, remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop. When the grinders cease because they are few, then those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. When people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. 
It's uh, really creepy. Was, <laughs> and it just, like, keeps talking about, remember when it was good, but it's going to get bad. Yeah. Like, it just keeps going on and on and on about that. So, two days later, June 18th, his body is discovered lying 40 miles west of Tucson near his Mercury Cougar. He had been shot in the back of the head by his own gun, a three fifty seven caliber Magnum revolver. He was still wearing the bulletproof vest. He had a belt buckle on that had a knife inside of it, and he also had a holster on. Weird. <laughs> um, they also found a pair of sunglasses, but they weren't his. And the sheriff investigators searched his car, and they found tons of weapons, lots of ammunition. And they said that the car had been altered so that it could be unlocked from the fender. And I'm like, how? Hmm? What? So is he really a secret agent? Is that what we're getting I don't here? know. I don't know. So on the rear seat of the car, they discovered his tooth, and it was wrapped in a white handkerchief. No. And this article said, that isn't the strangest things they found on scene. No, it's not. Oh, no, it gets weirder. Okay. Then a tooth wrapped in a white handkerchief stuck in the uh, rear seat. seat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was an item pinned to his undies. It was a $2 bill. It had seven Spanish surnames, a map of a border area, which led to these little towns between Tucson and Mexico. And these two towns had reputations for smuggling and that's super important later. Above the list of surnames was a note, Ecclesiastes 12. And then there were arrows that pointed to the numbers 1 and 8 within the bill's serial numbers. Some of the writings on the bill had, like, Masonic references. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So he had a piece of paper with directions to the site where he was found. And these directions were in his handwriting. So, like, someone called him and he wrote down where he was yeah. supposed to go. But he, was this the 70s? This is weird. Yeah, but he, like, pinned a $2 bill in his underwear. Yeah, why? For people to, like, I don't, I don't know. They said, the medical investigator said he was only dead for 12 hours uh, when they found him. And there were no fingerprints whatsoever at the scene, not even on his gun. So, how long after the phone call did they find the body? Do we know? Uh, if he'd only been dead for 12 hours, did they call? So it says two days after, on June 18th, two days after the phone call is when they found his body dead. But so strange. he was only dead for 12 hours. Yeah. So, he'd been so gone he for wasn't two dead months. when that phone call happened. No. It's just super weird that there's no fingerprints whatsoever, not even on his gun. But on his left hand, they found gunpowder residue. The sheriff was like, you know what? It's probably a suicide. We're just going to claim it as though it is. In the but back that, of his head? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mysterious. Everybody was just like, heck no, this is not a suicide. Like, even the medical examiner was like, no, I don't think we should claim it as that. And we're going to just leave this as, like, an open, mm-hmm. like, deceased mm-hmm. person, but we don't know why. So his wife said, there is no way Chuck would have committed suicide. And if he had even contemplated suicide, he would have left a letter for his girls and for me. Unfortunately, his wife died of cancer in 2006, and the four daughters maintained the father was murdered to protect the interests of corrupt businessmen and politicians. Mm. So let's hop into some theories about the murder. It could have been suicide. Mm -hmm. I really don't see how, though. Like, how can you hold a revolver at that point in your head, remove a tooth and put it in a handkerchief? Or was that done before? Yeah. That part's just weird. I mean, why was the tooth there at all? What was yeah. the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But like I said, it doesn't make sense to hold your... I don't know. And then there was gunpowder on his hand, but he could have shot the gun at a different point. You know? Yes. So then you've got the sunglasses that are not his. You've mm-hmm. got his tooth in a weird place. You've mm-hmm. got the $2 bill pinned in his undies. And then someone recommended that he was killed due to being in the Secret Service. He was not definitively in the Secret Service. But if he was, as he said to his wife, it's possible that this could be a murder due to what he was working in. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all over mm-hmm. again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, uh-huh. T-Y-M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top-of-the-line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Karen and I received a couple of the products. Oh my we gosh. got a so straightener exciting. and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so right. handy. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay, so I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly wavy hair so it was a huge game changer for me it dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny which i noticed immediately mm-hmm. i didn't even need to straighten it afterwards and usually i do because usually i have all those wild like curls left over yeah. the wind power on this thing is intense it's wild like i turned it up i was like let's play with these buttons okay so it has three magnetic styling attachments they're all amazing you know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like oh my gosh this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's gonna be so tangled not with this one nice and it's magnetic so it's great so right now you guys our listeners can get 30 percent off their first order at timobeauty.com t-y-m-o beauty.com Using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to TYMOBeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Soon before his death, he testified in a secret state investigation on illegal activity on both sides of Arizona-Mexico border. It said that he was a reluctant witness Mm -hmm. for the Arizona Attorney General's office in the questioning of now-closed Tucson Bank. So did this lead to his murder? Like, did the bank have, like, mafia ties? Right. Drug ties? I don't know. One of his daughters, Megan, stated, My father had a lot of information about people here in Tucson that could have been very detrimental. There was a lot of information about politicians, people who are still alive, that work in our government. He had that information, and they wanted to silence him. So two days after he died, a woman who calls herself Green Eyes called the sheriff's... Okay. Like, the okay. Great nickname, babe. Great nickname. She contacted... Settle down. Yes. The sheriff's office and said, I'm the woman who called his wife before when he was missing. She said that she had met him at a motel 
Um, and they confirmed that he had been staying in a West Side motel for over a week before mm-hmm. he was shot. Miss Green Eyes said that he had shown her a briefcase full of thousands of cash, and he said that he was going to buy himself out of a contract the mob put on his life. But how, what was the Ecclesiastes? Because she's the one that said mm-hmm. Ecclesiastes 1 through 8, and then it was pinned to his underwear. Mm-hmm. So what, how did she know about that? Yeah. How did it get there? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird, too, because his father claimed that Chuck had told him that he had written a, a letter and he hid it. And it said who would be responsible if something were to ever happen to him. But who knows what that letter contained because it was never found. He hid it that well? Yeah. Like, what was the point of writing the letter exactly. if it's not findable? Mm-hmm. Charles, Chuck. So, oh, I mean, sorry, Chuck, but geez. yeah, I mean, rest in pace, peace, peace, rest, rest in pace, but Jesus. Okay, <laughs> so soon after he died, uh, his impounded card that was in the police's possession was broken into. What? And around the same time, his office was ransacked. Oh, shoot. Mm-hmm. So, and somebody's then, looking for something. And then, so, that's not a, it's not a suicide then. Yep. And then after that, his wife, had a visit while she was still living, had a visit from two men claiming to be the FBI. She said they showed their identification quickly and then they tore the house apart and left. She said, I never learned why or what they were looking for or if they even found it. Maybe they found his letter. Exactly. Oh, okay. So it says almost 13 years after his death, February 7th, 1990, an episode of NBC's Unsolved Mysteries covering this case aired. There were tons of calls that came in to help Don Devereaux, who we all know is a journalist for Unsolved Mysteries, put together the case. And it said that he was involved in money laundering and large transactions with gold and platinum that um, occurred between 73 and 77 at the time of his death. Oh. Mm-hmm. It said he was dealing upwards of billions of dollars worth of gold alone. Um, and then there were some undercover CIA agents involved. Um, this article said it was most likely to pocket money for themselves. Oh, so it was dirty agents. Yes. And then allegedly exiled Vietnamese government officials were involved, as well oh as God. people from the Department of Defense. And it also said that he was linked to a lot within this scheme. So, I mean... He could have been good. He could have been bad. I don't know. Well, so when it says he worked like a secret agent, I wonder mm-hmm. if he was just like an informant. Right. You know. Like in motorcycle clubs. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one, per- is it one percenters? What are yeah. they called? Yeah. Yeah. One percenters. Ahead. It also says that Unsolved Mysteries discovered that Morgan kept copies of all the illicit transactions that he made. He said maybe he thought it could save him in the future. Unfortunately, it did not. Right. Um, but he said, were these paper trails of illegal transactions why he was killed? Like, is that what they came in the house to get? Is that what they went in yeah, his office to get? Oh, yeah. yeah. Unsolved Mysteries believe that he didn't know what he was involved with. There was a quote said, There's a great likelihood that Mr. Morgan was, in fact, doing something with the government. I think this was a guy who was extremely naive about a lot of things. I think somebody blew his cover and he got killed. Oh, man. Yes. And then it says, When I made a Freedom of Information Act request to the FBI, they had never heard of Mr. Morgan, despite the fact that they obviously opened an investigation, despite the fact that the FBI interviewed Mr. Morgan's attorney. Yeah. It said they were all over this thing like a blanket for a while, but now they've never heard of the They're guy. Like, yeah, don't like know he never existed. No card, no file, nothing. Jeez. <laughs> they said if he was doing undercover work for the government, they think that the clues on the dollar bill could have been 
then attempt to pass a coded message to the FBI. Hmm? They just didn't figure it out? Yeah, like, what? (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't know. It said that, he said, what seemed to be missing, however, was the document that the $2 bill would unlock. If he was quietly providing assistance to the government, monitoring the activities of one or more major organized crime families, then he wasn't a villain. He was a good guy, and they needed to know that. But where's the other information? Or maybe they took that off the body. And, like, wouldn't you think there'd be somebody on the FBI who was, like, assigned to him? Like, Mm -hmm. it's, like, his handler or something? Yeah. But also, I'm talking as if I know how that works, but I've just watched a lot of TV. (laughs) So maybe I have no idea how that works. Right. I really am learning more and more that I don't know how a lot of things work. This is what we do. This is why we're doing all this research, Megan. It's Uh really for our own benefit. I mean, really, I'm constantly surprised where I'm like, oh... That's how that works. I would have thought this would work differently. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. Yeah. That happens really often, actually. Yeah. So it said that there was a similar crime that occurred around the airing of this Unsolved Mysteries episode. So on May 14th, 1990, Phoenix, Arizona resident Doug Johnston left for his night shift at a computer graphics company. He was found dead an hour later in his company's parking lot, slumped in the front seat of his car, having been shot once behind the left ear. Oh, gosh. The gun had been at least 12 inches away when it went off. And like the other murder, they thought, well, maybe it's not a murder. It's a suicide. Uh, But it was the same. He died the same way. Yeah. Doug was right-handed. The bullet hit him behind the left ear. Oh, yeah. There was no gun residue found at the scene of the crime. Uh, but there was a 25 caliber caliber bullet casing that was found there. The medical examiner said that the shot could have been self-inflicted or the work of someone else. Well, duh, it's one yeah, or the other. Either, <laughs> either he did it or someone else did. Thank either, you, doctor. Oh, my gosh. Either or, but. Solved it right there. We don't even have any more questions. <laughs> yes. That's great. Thank you. And his widow was like, he, this isn't right. <laughs> like, he would have never committed suicide. It's interesting. So the journalist... For Unsolved Mysteries, Devereaux, that was looking into Morgan's case, lived across the street from the site where Doug Johnston was found. Mm. They had the same car, or very similar car, and Devereaux had a conversation with another journalist who had received a warning from the CIA. He said this journalist learned from a trusted CIA source that the killing of Doug Johnston was a botched job and the bullet was meant for Devereaux. Okay. They're saying that they meant to kill Don Devereaux and instead they yeah. killed Doug Johnston. Yeah. I mean, you'd think they, they'd know who yeah. their target was, right? Yeah. I don't. I mean, it was dark, Megan. It was dark outside. The car looked the same and he was tired. <laughs> Again, I don't know how this works. I'm just seeing, I don't. I watched Mr. and Mrs. Smith a few times. A few times, guys. And we mm-hmm. know how this happened. And also, um, there was a TV show called, called Chuck. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I watch that a lot, too. That's where I've learned most of the things I know about mm-hmm. secret agents. Yeah. Which probably explains a lot about why I don't know what's happening here. I watched a lot of ER, so I guess I am now <laughs> a surgeon. A doctor. I'm yeah. a surgeon. Emergency room mm-hmm. surgeon. If you all have any medical needs, appendicitis, I've got you. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Perfect. The CIA said that these threats may have occurred because Devereaux looking into the death of Charles Morgan. So they were like, you got to stop. Wow. 
You're digging into something you shouldn't be. Okay. And look, here we are. Here yeah. we are. Don't come after We're not us. investigating. This, yeah, we're not investigating any deaths or murders. We're just talking about it. Yeah. We just, we're stopping here and we're going to move along. <laughs> so <laughs> don't. And goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> no. So it says, this article says, further backing up the idea that people looking into Morgan were being silenced. A writer from Washington, D.C. named Dan Casalero had reached out to Devereaux, the Unsolved Mysteries guy, asking for information on Morgan's gold transactions. Before he could send the information, Casalero was dead in a hotel room in the bathtub with his wrist cut deeply a dozen times. Police said it was a suicide, but his brother, doctor, family, everybody was like, he was so squeamish. He would never let us do anything that involved blood in front of him, hated needles, would not, like, could not. That's weird. Yeah. So then it goes on to say Devereaux with Unsolved Mysteries believes that the same people involved in the 90s activities are still out there. Maybe they silenced Morgan and Castellaro and maybe they tried to kill him. But they're like, what? what is what's going on with this murder mystery? Yeah. Wow. I just can't get over the two dollars in the undies. Like, I don't. What's with the and the Bible verses? That's the Bible verses. Like, what was that supposed to be? Like, one through eight, that's a lot of, that's a lot to read. Why did the, I hate saying this. Why did Green Eyes say that when Mm -hmm. she called? I don't know. How did she? Also, was she like his side piece? I don't know. Or was she also in on the mission with him? Well, she knew whatever that code was, right? Right. So was she also an agent, an undercover agent, and they were on this case together? Maybe. What the heck is happening in Arizona? I don't know. Aliens. Jeez. There is no. I just literally Arizona. had that song in my head too. Like I could, it's just that's hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah, literally in right there in my brain. You just picked it right <laughs> out of my brain. That was great. I really want to go read more about it just to be like. But be careful. Turn it on. No, I don't, secret secret search. I don't actually. I'm not going to read anything else. No, we're done with this story. Even, We've erased it from our memories. I don't even like mysteries. No. I think they're boring. Or murders. <laughs> Neither one. No, nope. we will not do anything on those. It's just witches and magic from here on out. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Changing our name, guys. <laughs> and we'll still get it confused. Yeah, we will. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for sharing that story. You're welcome. we got to go into the Secret Service now, guys. <laughs> Sorry. We really appreciate you listening. Oh, we have Patreon shoutouts. Oh my gosh, we do. It's been a little bit since we've done them. Guys, we love you all so much. A ridiculous amount. Yeah. And Patreon people, they get two extra episodes. God, we cannot talk. Ad-free and a video Discounts. Every month. And discounts on things if you're at the body of a goddess level. Mm-hmm. And then if there's anything extra we ever think of, we'll throw that in there too. And then we actually are planning to add new perks mm-hmm. once we get past the holidays. Oh we're gosh. So many. We're yeah. revamping everything. We're looking. We're excited. So, do you want to go through the... Yes. If you're at the body of a goddess level, then one of your perks is you get a little shout-out on the show. So it's so fun. We'll We've got with. Lisa Kenny, Tamika Young, Megan Shepard, Emma Morris, Shannon Hembry, Tony Pater, Kylie Hall, Nikki Baker, Melissa Bielefield, um, yes. Bielefeld. Uh, <laughs> We're so good with words. Rhiannon Samuel. Uh, Kira Massett. Andy... Stevens, uh, Pauline Gallegos, Laura Freeman. Yeah, I remember. I almost read the eight. Down there. <laughs> yeah, 
eight. <laughs> that was just a little note to myself. Um, I can't remember. I think it was Rhiannon when she she had I'd sent her a message and I was like, I can't wait to mispronounce your. Oh, and I sent her her stickers. I was like, yes. I can't wait to mispronounce your name later. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. <laughs> you all love us. Um, so yeah, thank you all for listening. And don't forget on Monday those donations open up. And like I said, we'll drop a little something in the feed to yes. remind you of that all of next week. Yep. Okay, we love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. So much. Mm-hmm. <laughs>